When we think of the future of leadership in sales, what, or rather who, do we see? Women in Sales Everywhere and Sales Loft have teamed up to answer this question, and let me assure you, there's no doubt that the future is female. I'm Sydney Sloan, Chief Marketing Officer at Sales Loft. And I'm Alex Adamson, Executive Director of Women in Sales Everywhere. We'll be sitting down with each outstanding female leader on our inaugural Future Female CROs list to discuss everything from their sales philosophies to how they keep their lives organized to how they unwind after a breakneck day. Together, we'll dig into exactly what makes each of these women so extraordinary. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. This is Alex Adamson from WISE, and today we are chatting with Katie Ivey, the RVP of Sales for the National Division at Demandbase. Hey, Katie. Hey, how are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for coming on. No, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. We're so excited to chat with you today. And, you know, I think one of the things that we got most excited about when we were building this list and got to know you a little bit better is you've had this phenomenal run at some pretty well-known companies over the years. So to, to kick us off, can you just tell people a little bit about your background, um, what you're doing at Demandbase now, and how you ended up coming over there? Yeah, sure. So I have, you're right, had a great run at some pretty amazing companies. Uh, and I don't take a ton of credit for that, honestly. Like many salespeople that you meet, I definitely stumbled into sales very much accidentally right out of college. My journey actually before college was a bit unique. I went overseas and worked for a nonprofit for what was supposed to be a gap year for like six months out of high school. Uh, ended up being almost five years. So I took a lot of time, lived in Australia, worked for a religious nonprofit, uh, traveled a ton. So I had a lot of leadership experience at a really early age. Um, went back to the U.S. and studied international politics, really thinking that I would end up back overseas working for a nonprofit. That was kind of the game plan. Uh, I was toying with some other ideas, potentially law schools and things like that. And kind of got pulled into this interview with a company called Meltwater. This was back like 08, 07, 08, really gritty entry-level sales gig, but they had the word international management in the title of the job description. International management, yes, that is me. Um, I end up in the sales interview, know nothing about sales. One of the workshops or the exercises they had us do was do some mock cold calls and they gave me feedback. Hey, try a stronger value proposition. My question is, what is a value proposition? I had no idea, no idea. Anyway, they must have been impressed with something, maybe my management experience at a young age, but ended up getting that job and just fell in love with sales, fell in love with business. And probably six months in, I realized I had found my home um, from a SaaS sales perspective. Uh, and it was quite some time ago. So the industry has definitely evolved and changed a little bit. Um, I'm not sure why it was that I was so excited about pounding the phones and making cold calls and some of the gritty kind of aggressive selling tactics that we were doing back in the day. But I was part of an amazing team, got given an opportunity to be a team lead pretty early and then manage a pretty large office really relatively early in my career. So I was pretty much hooked probably from year you know, half or year one of being in sales uh, and have stuck ever since. Uh, I, I, mean, I live in Atlanta. So I took a job at Pardot before they were part of Salesforce and then went through that acquisition, which is an incredible culture and then some incredible learning, kind of getting pulled into that Salesforce ecosystem, amazing training, great management, um, spent some time at a really small startup and then landed at Marketo leading teams uh, for a good couple of years before the Adobe acquisition. So uh, I've been really grateful to work with some great people and work for some great people and then made the move over to Demandbase about, it was just a little over two years ago. Most of my background has been in MarTech. I love MarTech. Marketing technology, and I love working with revenue leaders, so sales and marketing leaders. 
just fun conversations. And I, I like business and I like figuring out how businesses work. So, you know, selling MarTech and sales tech kind of ties into that directly. Uh, I had a bunch of customers during my time at Marketo uh, that were leveraging demand base and had really good things to say about it. So that was kind of the driver uh, of making that transition after the Adobe acquisition and have been there ever since. I love it. Uh, and it's funny because I think a lot of people don't give themselves enough credit when they come out of the nonprofit space. A lot of nonprofit work is sales in its own way. What were some of the skills and attributes you feel like you learned most from that time that you've been able to leverage throughout your leadership career now? Yeah, fundraising for sure. So we were raising money all the time. Uh, and I was speaking in public to do that, which is not something I did a ton of growing up. But at 17 and 18, I was on stages in front of, and it wasn't always huge groups, but even standing up in front of a crowd of 30 or 40 or 50 people at 18 and asking for money or talking about a cause or a vision. I mean, that was way outside of my comfort zone and something I found that I actually really enjoyed as I was working out the nerves and getting a little bit of practice. Uh, but the public speaking and the fundraising was probably the most immediate, kind of very applicable when I transitioned into a sales role. Um, outside of that, I was leading teams during that whole time. So even short-term relief and development teams, you've got a group of young people, maybe it's 10 or 12 that you're going to take into you know, Southeast Asia and trek into refugee camps in Thailand. You, there's some leadership skills that you have to do to make that team work well together, learn to communicate, figure out who's who, build rapport, friendships, get connected in with those communities. Um, so I think I got pushed to learn uh, both about the leadership as well as kind of the fundraising and more salesy aspect pretty early on as that like 17, 18, 19 year old kid. So popping into what you're doing now at Demandbase, can you tell us a little bit about your team in our previous conversations and on the CRO list, we had you as our empowerment educator. So I want to dive into that and your leadership style. I loved the words or buzzwords that you guys chose and put next to each one of us uh, as I was reading through it, because uh, I know a good number of the gals that are on the list that I feel like you guys did such a good job of just coining like really powerful and empowering things throughout the list. So great work there. To me, empowerment, I think, is a core part of just my leadership style or philosophy. Um, I think that each one of us, I mean, we have superpowers. We have things that we're uniquely really, really strong at. Uh, and I think that's true whether you're 22 and just getting started in your career or you know, 52 and have been doing all kinds of big things for a long time. Um, and I think one thing I learned pretty early is that uh, naturally we're wired to fixate on some of our weaknesses and our gaps, I think a little bit too much. So I feel like for reps and leaders that work for me, if I can lean in and help them even just uncover a few of those unique strengths and things that they bring to the table and then figure out how to amplify those or really empower them to pay attention and focus there versus being so fixated on the different things where they may not be quite as strong. Um, that's definitely core to kind of how, how I at least aim and hope to run my teams and lead people that I work with. I think back to your original question in terms of the team that I lead now at Demandbase. So I run our mid-market new biz sales organization. So essentially all net new logo hunters is really the, the team that rolls into me. We define mid-market as businesses that are 25 million up to a billion. So it's a pretty big segment and we're selling pretty complex technology that can be you know, relatively inexpensive and straightforward, or it can be relatively expensive and complex with a lot of stakeholders. So we've got the team bifurcated into a group that sells the smaller end of those logos and then a group that sells the, the larger kind of companies within that SWAT. Um, so two managers and then reps underneath them and, and we're looking to, to scale and grow. So that's kind of the, the short version of the team that I'm leading today. And I, you know, I think 
there are probably some people listening who are at that fork in the road around, okay, I've been managing individual contributors. Do I step into a role where I'm managing managers? This might be kind of weird because maybe I was peers with these people at one point. What advice do you have for folks who are at some sort of fork in the road in their leadership growth ladder and might be a little weary about taking that next step? You know, Even things that people should be aware of as they move into a position where maybe they're managing managers and not just managing a team of ICs. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And I think it's actually quite similar to the advice that I would give to those ICs that are moving into their first leadership role. It's funny, I was on Clubhouse last night, which is very new for me. It was my second time ever on Clubhouse. And we were having that conversation. How do I know if I want to lead versus be an individual contributor? And then how do I kind of avoid some of the pitfalls and common challenges there? Um, and I do think it sounds really, really simple, but figuring out those things that you're uniquely good at. Um, I know as a leader or as a manager, there's certain things that I'm really strong at uh, and there's other things that, that are gaps or weaknesses for me. I tend to be really good at starting projects and really motivated to do new things. I get bored really easy so I can lose interest. I don't always follow through. So I know that I need help being really organized or setting clear next steps and agendas and making sure that I'm following up on the things that I've committed to do. I also can tend to get maybe over involved in the deals at times. Um, so for me personally, that was probably was and continues to be one of the larger learning curves when we think about transitioning from frontline leadership into maybe leading a team of leaders or of managers. It's how do you empower them and then be willing to step back and allow them to actually run the show and empower them to run their own business. Uh, similar to if you're managing a team of ICs directly or salespeople, the, the vision or the dream is for them to think like the CEOs of their own territory, to think like they're running a business and that they have some autonomy and ownership there. And really, that's what I want for managers that work for me as well, to figure out how can they think like the CEO of their territories uh, and their reps and their team uh, really be empowered to make decisions, maybe given a little bit of space at time to make mistakes. And that's hard for me to sit back and kind of just allow them the the room or the space to make those types of decisions, uh, but yet still be hyper available, hyper aware, willing to be involved, uh, willing to get in the deals when it makes sense. When we think about first, second, third line leadership, at least based on my experiences, which is still relatively uh, new from a second line leadership perspective, I don't think there's a one size fits all. Uh, it depends a lot on the mechanisms of the company or the organization that you're functioning within, but it really does come down to you being pretty aware of your own strengths and weaknesses, and then being willing and confident enough to invite people in on that journey. What advice would you give to, to folks, whether it's individual contributors or frontline managers on the most effective ways to manage up? Yeah, one, I think it starts with being really authentic and really transparent. So you've got to be willing to talk about the things that are important to you and the things that you want long term. Um, I, I had conversations literally in my first quarter at Demand Base with my boss, who's still my boss uh, and a woman that I have so much respect for. Uh, but it was all about the fact that, hey, I want to be running bigger teams and I want to be hiring managers and I've got visions to scale this. So I want to know what are the best ways to have those conversations with folks yourself and then folks other than yourself in a way that is respectful and doesn't feel like I'm stepping on toes or going around some of the layers and just building some of those, I think, authentic relationships pretty early on in my journey certainly helped me be able to ask some really real questions. And things always change. I mean, 2020 has taught us, you know, like 
global pandemics happen, weird things that, you know, hit the fan. And we, we're not always in control of exactly what that journey looks like. Uh, but I think because there had been some authenticity and just real conversations, it made it a little bit easier to navigate, okay, how do we do that in the midst of maybe some different, you know, economic climates and things like that, that are shifting. Um, so I think that's probably my first piece of advice, be really honest and upfront about who you are, what you want, what you're working towards long-term, um, and then find ways to incorporate humility into that and ask for a lot of feedback along the way. I noticed that you had replied to one of Kevin Dorsey's posts about like taking time off and the importance of giving people some space and some time with all of this chaos. What are some of the things that you've learned in the last year around the most effective ways to manage sellers or even you know, personally about yourself and what you need to do your best work? Literally the last 12 months have probably been personally the most hyper growth from a learning perspective that I can ever think of in my career. And one of the things that was on my agenda for 2020 is I need to learn more about remote leadership. I hadn't led teams that were remote. I had had individual sellers here and there that were remote, but most of my leadership experience had been very much in office. So the whole universe conspired against me. And obviously uh, I have now a lot of experience at leading remote teams and uh, plenty of learnings from that in terms of some of the specifics I think one, it's encouraged me to be much more deliberate with how I spend my time. When you're in an office setting, there's so much just from an empowerment and a leadership perspective that can happen really naturally. You observe things, you pick up on things, you hear the tail end of a call, you hear questions that are flying around, and you're able to insert yourself in a really natural way where you're adding value a lot and doing it in really accidental ways around the water cooler. When you're getting coffee, there's just those little conversations that are pretty consistently happening. And when you're in a fully remote world, all of that has to happen on purpose now. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason so many of us are so fatigued with Zoom and we're maybe working more hours. It's because some of the things that could just accidentally happen in a five-minute conversation now we have to exchange emails about scheduling a time and we put a 30 minute block on the calendar and then we have a meeting and then we might do a follow up email. Like there's all of these steps that now are, I think, required to build those types of relationships. And, and for anyone that's trying to, to lead, uh, even if you're just in a, you know, an individual contributor role or trying to empower your peers or get connected to folks cross functionally. All of that stuff takes more time. Um, so it's taught me certainly that I have to be more in control of my calendar. I have to know when, when to say no. Um, I actually am using calendar blocking probably for the first time in my career. So, you know, trying to lean into that more and know how much, even just mental space that I need. Some of my job is very tactical, very in the weeds and other Parts of my job require legitimate thinking and processing and being creative and coming up with solutions. And I can't do that if I'm multitasking and trying to do four things at once. So all of that has just been a, a learning curve for me that I think long-term will certainly make me more efficient and better at my job. Uh, still a work in progress, certainly. So one thing that I think a lot of these bigger orgs do really, really well, demand base, meltwater, um, you know, we've seen Salesforce do a great job of this, but creating internal employee resource groups for women on their teams. What are some of the things that you've seen work really well? And what are some things that maybe you think companies can do better? I'm a co-moderator or co-chair for a women and revenue collective grouping as well. And we're having this exact same conversation because it's a really large group of 
really incredible women, uh, but trying to figure out what are the specific challenges that we're looking to solve for and, and the void that we're trying to fill. Um, and it is a really big question. In terms of doing it, well, I think regardless of the size, whether you're a super small company or a much larger company, you've got to create really authentic connections. Uh, so when I think of at least the last couple of networking and more social focus groups that we've done with our, our women group at Demandbase, we've done a great job of leveraging. We've done a couple different platforms, but essentially just breakout rooms within Zoom and fostering those groups of two, three, four, sometimes five people uh, really getting to know each other, answering some pretty real questions, talking about even just the reality of what our life looks like right now. I don't have children, but obviously a lot of the, the women at Demand Base have small kids that have been at home or school-aged children that are at home or they're working at home for the first time ever. There's just so much pressure and different dynamics that really are new for a lot of us. And even those with the, those of us without children, some of the things that we're dealing with and trying to process, it just requires a lot of mental capacity. So I think fostering those conversations, I don't think that we have to overthink it and bring in these world-class guest speakers and you know create all this extra content. Really, it, it's just about creating space for those real relationships and having authentic conversations, uh, I think has at least been for me personally, the most impactful thing that we've been able to do at Demandbase specifically. Something I'm asked a lot by you know, male sales leaders is how do I hire more women in sales? How do I attract more women in sales onto my team? You know, there's not a silver bullet, which is what everybody kind of wants. But as someone who who is hired and is hiring, what are some things that you think companies can do to attract women to to their sales teams? It's so funny because I have a lot of colleagues and peers that, that are males that ask me that question. And when I think back over the last couple of years, one of the first pieces of advice that I typically give is, well, you need some women in your leadership team because quite often you look at those orgs and they literally do not have women that are leading sales teams. They don't have women at the executive level, VPs of sales, CROs, things like that. Um, and I stand by that advice and I think it's so, so important. Women, especially strong, motivated, ambitious women want to work for companies where they see other women leading in some capacity. Um, so I think that's really important at a fundamental level. It's interesting though, because at demand base, we have a lot of women leading, especially in sales. Our CRO is a woman. Uh, both of our VPs of sales are female. Uh, my team has a lot of female sales leadership. And we still really struggle to recruit uh, and get a lot of women in the pipeline. The pipeline of natural referrals and folks that come through, it's very heavily skewed male. We've got to be proactive if we want to hire differently, if we want to hire people that don't look exactly like us, uh, if we want to hire people that don't fit that exact stereotype. Uh, we're going to have to go out and find them, be really vocal about what we're looking for, be all over social media. There's no silver bullet or one way to do it or do it right. But it's definitely a work in progress for me personally. And I know for a lot of the peers, especially male peers that I work with that are leading teams. Who is KDIV when you're not in front of your computer, when you're not with your team? Where would we find you? Back before uh, this weird last 12 months, I was on planes all the time, both for work and personally. Uh, my husband and I love to travel. My husband's from Brazil, so we have a lot of family down there. I already mentioned that I spent a ton of time overseas before starting my career. I'm at 53 countries that I've been to, um, which has obviously dramatically slowed down this last 12 months, um, but I love traveling. We tend to do a lot of little long weekends and quick trips and things like that, so I'm dreaming of the day that we can get back to that. 
our other like big hobby or thing that we love to do is we consider ourselves big foodies. So we, before the pandemic, split our time between Atlanta and New York. So we were pretty well versed in the food scene and the restaurant and bar scene for both cities. So again, something that has been painfully ripped away uh, in the short term, but we're looking forward to getting back to. Uh, so those are two things that come to mind. I do, I've mentioned that we don't have kids yet. We do have a beautiful golden retriever named Lexi, uh, a pandemic puppy uh, that we got right at the beginning of the pandemic. And now she is super needy. Um, she's outside my door whining and crying as we speak because she is not literally physically touching me. Those are a couple things that come to mind in terms of, of who I am, I guess, out, outside of work or when I'm not working. So Miss Lexi. How'd you decide on a golden retriever? We we just talked to Lizzie Rouleau earlier and she has a golden doodle. So I feel like we're in a big golden phase right now with the podcast. How'd you guys choose Lexi? It's funny. There's three people on my team that have golden doodles, two of which were pandemic puppies as well. So they're also really needy. So we share a lot of stories um, and it's definitely like the dog of the year. Um, I don't know. I've just been obsessed with golden retrievers since I was young and this is our second. So we had one that lived a long, wonderful, beautiful life that we lost last year. Um, and we just could not imagine any other dog. She sheds way too much. Like we probably should make the transition to a golden doodle. We just love golden retrievers so much. Oh, well, Katie, how can people stay in touch with you? Where can they find you for anyone who might be interested in learning more about DemandBase or, or maybe even some of the roles that you mentioned? Where should they go? Yeah, sure. I mean, LinkedIn is definitely the best way to connect with me. Um, it's Katie with a C. So that's the unique piece about my name, but uh, just Katie Ivy on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to track down there. Uh, I actually have a website that's still a work in progress that just went live. That's Katie Ivy. So feel free to connect with me there as well. Would love to have conversations. I, I'm so passionate, especially about getting more women in sales and women into sales leadership. So two topics that are definitely near and dear to my heart. Thank you so much for coming on. It was so great to chat with you. Yeah, it was great to meet you. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks for listening. This was Sales Loft and Wise's Future Female CROs. Check back next week for another episode featuring an outstanding female CRO of tomorrow. And until next time, this was Sydney Sloan from Sales Loft and Alex Adamson from Women in Sales Everywhere. <laughs>